Today is July 27th, 2020. Please tell us your name and the years you were at Hofstra Radio. My name is Christy Jasperg Robinson, and I was at WRHU from the fall of 1991 until the, well, the spring semester of 1994, but that probably would have extended at least into the summer and possibly even a little bit into the fall of 1994. I think I was still loosely covering shifts for people and things at that late date. Uh, tell us about the types of shows that you produced or hosted or worked on during your time at Hofstra Radio. It, it's funny because I can barely remember what shows I didn't do. It was, mm -hmm. you know, thinking back, I had my hand in almost everything at one point or another. I started out doing... Good morning, Hofstra, believe it or not. One of my first huh. jobs at the radio station was to do the traffic reporting. And that was fairly short-lived because it was just hard for me to, to do that and extend my night into the late hours as I was accustomed to doing. Um, I covered plenty of shifts of the classics at Hofstra. I ran tape for the... Um, public affairs programming in the afternoon. I did jazz slots. I did rock slots under its different names when we were there. Um, I did airwave slots. I covered the board for Saturday and Sunday community programming of various types. I had my own Saturday night community programming of my own. Um, I was thinking about how, um, during our last year in school, we had anarchy late night on Sunday nights, mm -hmm. which was a super fun one. So I guess the only thing that I really didn't do much of was news and sports, really, um, I certainly participated in marathons and in election night programming, but I, it, you know, if there's anything that I really wasn't so involved in, it was news outside of pulling copy from the AP machine to announce at the top of the hour and sports. I, I don't think I ever participated in a sports broadcast that I can think of. I had a question about your role at Good Morning Hofstra when you were reading the traffic. Who was the host of Good Morning Hofstra at the time? And if you know, whose idea was it to do traffic reporting? So the host was Joe Romano, and the co-host was Vanessa, although I don't remember her last name. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And... um. Okay, for the life of me, I can't remember his. Oh, um, oh, it's right. Bill Cusack, sports boy, was the sports reporter. Mm. And Suze's a pegged me to do traffic reports. I don't know why. I don't know really <laughs> of what utility they were because her instructions to me were 
just listen to the traffic reports on WGBB and um, what was the other one? Like um, KJOY or like whatever the other local stations were and basically steal their report and then deliver it as my own. And (laughs) it was only once during each half hour, as I recall, Maybe it was twice. I'm not sure. But it wasn't, they weren't often enough so that they were timely. You know, it was already old news by the time I was delivering it. So maybe it was more an exercise in educating a young broadcaster in how to collect and deliver the news than it was for the benefit of the listeners. (laughs) That's all I can imagine. Okay. In retrospect. I, I did not recall that. So that's, that's really interesting to me. I really, yeah. I, I, I'm glad you brought that up. So in addition to all the shows that you worked on, what positions did you hold as a member of Hofstra Radio? So my first position was that of traffic director, as opposed to traffic reporter. I was the traffic director, which was a position that I um, again, was sort of pegged by Sue for very early on in my tenure at the station. After serving as traffic director, I served as program operations director and then as program director. Got it. So thinking back, what first brought you, this is a multi-part question and you can answer it as you like. What first brought you to the station when you got there, do you remember your first time maybe going into the studio or into the office? Do you remember people who were around? Do you remember what it looked like? Uh, any details that you can remember of what Hofstra Radio WRHU was when you first arrived? Absolutely. So WRHU was on my radar at least from the time that I was in high school, at which time of all of the nerdy things in the world, I would listen to a show in the evening called New Age Images, um, which was very relaxing to me, I guess, at that point in my life. Um, It may have been even earlier. I have a memory. And to be fair, I don't know if this was on WRHU or WGBB. But I think it was on WRHU, and I think you'll understand why when I explain it. When I was in probably the fourth grade, there were several of my fellow students and I that were selected to go to the principal's office on one of the last days of school before Thanksgiving. And we were interviewed for a radio program about what we liked and what we disliked about Thanksgiving. And it's part of my family lore now and has been, you know, for the last 40 years that I was recorded as saying cranberry sauce. I hate cranberry sauce. So I think it was WRHU because my elementary school was literally right next door to the Hofstra campus. That may have been my WRHU debut. Wow. 
Yeah, right? Like I was that memory came to mind just tonight. Uh but so and having that close affinity with the Hofstra campus for my entire life because I grew up in the same town as the university, uh you know, it was it was always part of my awareness and as you know, and as many who might be listening to this know, when I was a senior in high school, my mother died very suddenly. And that changed the course of my life in innumerable ways. But one of them was that it changed my college plans. And I decided that I would go to Hofstra, I would stay local, I would be there for my family. My first year at Hofstra, my freshman year, was just sort of me trying to live through every day of my life Mm -hmm. and find my way somehow. At the beginning of my sophomore year, I decided that it was time for me to explore opportunities that I was interested in. And I had two goals in mind, to write for the school newspaper and to be part of the radio station. And so literally, for both of those endeavors, I just showed up at the offices, respectively, and said, hi, I'd like to join. Hmm. I lasted at the Hofstra Chronicle for probably a semester. I wrote a few stories. One of them made it to the cover of the paper, which was really kind of neat. But I did not feel a sense of community or inclusion or welcoming there. Mm -hmm. And so I let that go pretty quickly. And they had a culture of like, you know, the night before, I guess Thursdays were the day that the paper came out, you know, so Wednesday nights, they would have a big all nighter of, you know, putting the copy together and all that stuff. And I just couldn't be a part of that living at home. So... Mm -hmm. Putting that aside, went down to the basement of Memorial Hall, walked up to the office doors, and, you know, it was the usual scene of noise and chaos. And Renee Pugh was sitting at her desk. She was program director at the time. And I knocked on the door, and she said, Hi, can I help you? And I said hi, I'd like to join. And she said, welcome, come on in. (laughs) And it was as simple as that. And the rest is history. I never left. So, So, yeah. When you, when you say there's the the usual uh, noise and chaos, (laughs) for those who never experienced the basement of Memorial Hall, Right what, right. what does that mean? What does it sound like? What what does that entail? Was was Renee the only person there? Or is that the only person you remember? Uh, I don't remember too many specific people who were there. I remember mm-hmm. Renee. Um, Karen Jean might have been there. She was station manager at the time. Mm-hmm. Maybe Jeff Krause was there. I don't really recall if he was there at his desk in the corner at that hour. I remember there being lots of other students congregated in that room 
engrossed in conversation, possibly in hijinks of various sorts. Mm. Um, you know, probably as, you know, as Jeff would admonish everyone, please try to keep it down to a dull roar. Um, you know, there probably was a fairly high volume level at that time. I can only imagine that I stopped by in between classes or, you know, maybe in the afternoon when there weren't as many classes being offered during the day, the regular, you know, class schedule. Right. Um, so, you know, it just, it was a busy place, that office. There was a lot going on. So uh, do you recall anything uh, useful, memorable, embarrassing, uh, something that stuck with you from maybe your engineering class or your announcing class or your training to get on the air? I don't know that I remember specifics. Engineering class, my instructor was John Booty. And I also did my tracking hours with him. And I have a feeling that that might have been the first show that I did. I might have covered him on a rock solid slot when he was unavailable. Um, I remember thinking to myself, how am I ever going to get the swing of managing two turntables, a CD player, potting up and down the microphone, the microphone across the glass, etc. And sure enough, you know, it's like riding a bike. It it becomes second nature very quickly. But I don't think there's anything that necessarily stands out to me from engineering class. Announcing class, I believe I had with Greg Vetter. And the same thing. I can't say that anything necessarily stood out at that time. I'm trying to remember who I took engineering and announcing classes with also. And I just don't recall at this point. But they were both good experiences. Do you recall your first time announcing on air? Honestly, no, I mm. don't. I, I've been trying to. And I... I can't bring it to mind. Actually, I, hmm, no, I don't know. I don't know. And I, I did just have this flash of, I think I must have had engineering class with Christy Red. Uh -huh, uh -huh. <laughs> so uh, for those listening, uh, the name Christy is spelled many different ways, as you might be aware. Mine is K-R-I-S-T-I. Up until that point in my life, I don't think I had met another person whose name was Christy who was spelled K-R-I-S-T-I until I met our friend Christy Rabchinuk, whose name was also spelled with a K and an I. And she and I were both wearing Mickey Mouse watches. And so that was our big point of bonding. <laughs> at that point in our lives. Um, so, yeah, so I guess I did engineering class with Christy Red. Okay. So you mentioned doing that first show with John Booty or covering for John Booty on Rock Solid. And Correct. And Rock Solid was a pretty – that was a prime spot. It so, was. So talk about, if you can, uh, 
you mentioned juggling all the things. Do you have any specific memories from getting on the air and doing that? Anything that you felt went really great or not so great? I don't remember anything horrible happening. Let's put it that way. I don't remember anything catastrophic. I remember thinking to myself, how can I make my segues smooth? I remember thinking to myself, I've got to get the tape ready for 10 at 10 sufficiently in advance so that I can just press play on the two track machine mm-hmm. and it'll play. Um, it was Monday night that uh, John Booty had rock solid from, I guess, eight until 10 and then 10 at 10 with Joe Romano was from 10 to 11. Um yeah, again, I think I think those early days really were just about how do I manage all of these interlocking parts and make them all work together. But I don't I there's nothing that specifically jumps out at me. Okay. Um you you've thrown out a lot of to me familiar names people who are very helpful to me. And my next question has to do with uh, the people who were helpful, who were useful, maybe someone who inspired you or said, you said, that's a great show. I want to do that. Or I want to sound like that. Or I don't want to sound like that. Are there other names, other people that come to mind during your first six months to a year at WRHU who were helpful or inspiring or, or the other way around? Well, I can't lie. You were one of them because you were probably the first friend that I made at the station. Hmm. And so you were someone who helped to sort of, I guess, illustrate the path before me, if you will. Um, I remember thinking that Judy VNA had such a wonderfully smooth delivery in her announcing Mm -hmm. uh, that I admired. I wasn't sure that I necessarily wanted to emulate it, but I definitely admired it. And I'm just trying to think back now at who else was on the air. I did um, in my early days for at least a year, maybe longer, I ran the board for Tony Jackson mm-hmm. for Irish Country on Saturday nights. And his ability to keep a show moving and keep it very entertaining was something that I also really admired, really thought was so skillful on his part. So those are the ones that immediately jump out at me. So I'm trying to think back in terms of the, the timing of things. Um, when you became traffic director, that was relatively soon after you joined, 
because you weren't there as a freshman, but during our sophomore year, which would have been uh, 91 to 92, I believe if that's correct, you were the traffic director. That's correct. And I mean, I... It's kind of, it's hard to get an AB position as a relatively new person. And I think you well, mentioned sort of that Sue Zizza may have been one of the people who picked you out or been instrumental in that. She, right. It was, it was definitely Sue Zizza who offered me and I feel like they went hand in hand. Like, do you want to be the traffic reporter and do you want to be the traffic director? And I just jumped mm-hmm. on both opportunities and Although, you know, my memory of it is foggy as to the exact timing, there's part of me that feels like I, they they must have happened within weeks of me being cleared to go on the air after my engineering class and my announcing class. It really, it couldn't have been that long a period of time. If I started in September, finished those classes maybe late October, early November. Right. And, you know, I know that I was on the air for Good Morning Hofstra through that fall. And I think I was doing, you know, traffic director starting at that same time. So, yeah, it it was. It was a very quick, um, it was a very quick, I don't know what the quite word, what the word is quite that I want to describe it as, but yeah, it's, um, it's, it's not quite an, an initiation or an entree, but that, yeah, basically right. you were just thrown into the deep end of the pool right? and told to swim. Right. I was engaged very quickly. Um, and, you know, at that time the traffic logs were all handwritten. And so I was completing the traffic logs and dropping them off. It feels like at all hours of the day and night in whatever mm-hmm. weather, um, you know, that was just our way of doing things at that time. Um, do you, you remember know, who would, showed you how to do the logs? Does that, does that stand out or is it just, I think it was Kathy Wurzberger. I think she had the role before I did. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So that's my recollection. Okay. I think that she was program operations director when I became traffic, or maybe she, she was holding both positions at that time because they had a vacancy for traffic director. That might've been it. So is there, is there anything else that stands out from those early days? Actually, well, let, let me, let me wrap it into this question. Cause this is usually where okay. I, I, I wrap up uh, okay. and, or I intend to, and it usually goes on longer than that. But, um, you, you spoke about this a little bit earlier about walking in the door and wanting to find something, uh, whether at the Hofstra Chronicle or at Hofstra Radio. So in those early days, as you're taking these classes, as you're meeting people, what did you think WRHU would mean to you then if you can put yourself back in the mindset of being 19 years old again? I don't know that I was entirely clear on it because at that point in my life, I wasn't entirely clear on anything because my personal life was in so much chaos, but I, and my family life, but I think that I was looking for that combination of 
community, a group of like-minded individuals who were pursuing a common goal or a common endeavor and building friendships, you know, as a result of that as well. And the opportunity to be in a communications-related endeavor, a media-related endeavor. I had done, up until that point in my life, lots and lots of theater. That was sort of my upbringing um, and, and my high school experience. Musical theater, improv comedy, etc. And after high school, I really didn't have a desire for that anymore. But I very much wanted to be in something communications and media related. And I felt like radio would probably be a good fit for me. And sure enough, it was. So, so it was those, it was those two things that I don't know if I could have articulated it quite in that way at that time, but that's what I was seeking. And that's what I thought it would mean to me, which it did, of course did. And so much more. At what point, and it, it guessing from the stories that you've told, at what point did you feel really comfortable at the station like this is somewhere that i belong or something that i really enjoy it seems like it would have been relatively quickly and 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 various people have different answers about how long it took them to feel at home do you recall something where you went yep that's this this is it this is where i'm looking forward to i feel like it's it's where i belong it was it was extremely quick on my part um i remember going to The first, it wasn't a staff meeting. It was more like an orientation for people who were interested in joining. And I remember the entire executive board and administrative board being there in a crowded room. And who knows how many of those people actually panned out as, you know, joining and becoming active at the station. But I remember that and thinking, yes, I definitely want to be part of this. I remember again, doing my classes. I remember there being a staff meeting Mm -hmm. and it was on Halloween. And I decided, I guess very, you know, characteristically that I would go to the staff meeting wearing I forgot what they're called. The jack-o'-lantern, I want to say they were called like dealy boppers, the the headband with the springs that came up out of the top of your head and and little, you know, figurines or characters on top of those springs. You know what I'm talking about? I I do. I didn't know they had a name. They they do. They have or they did. I think they were called dealy boppers. So I had these ridiculous jack-o'-lantern dealy boppers and I was just like huh it's Halloween I'm gonna wear them and the reaction that I got when I walked into that very crowded 
office for the staff meeting was fantastic. And I thought, okay, these are my people. (laughs) It was very, you know, like the switch flipped and I was there. That was it. That, that, that's amazing. I don't recall that at all, a staff meeting on Halloween, although I'm not surprised. Right. But just the same. <laughs> uh, that is, uh, yeah, that that is as comfortable as I can imagine any new person feeling in an environment that, that people just sort of either laugh or shrug or just or, or are amused. And there you are. You're in. Right, right. Exactly. And I will say, I mean, I think it took some time. There was there was that transitional year, I would say. Like, sophomore year was a transitional year when I was, of course, finding my place there, but quickly establishing my place there and navigating new friendships there. And probably once the summer started, that that was when because of being there over the summer and you can certainly relate to this Hmm. it being a skeleton crew of full-time people who are hardcore dedicated to the station anyway it took on you know an even greater level of comfort and you know feeling again like this is my place this is where i belong this is where i'm supposed to be christy this was amazing and uh and really a lot of fun i think we should do more of these i can't wait i look forward to it so much thank you for the opportunity